Yo, this is Zero from El Vu and LA Natives Podcast. And I'm happy to announce that Malinali Superfoods now has a storefront location. And we invite all our community to come and partake in our family recipes, in our ancient foods, and in our intention. Our intention is to gather our community, to share the wisdom of our ancestors, but most of all, have a place to be ourselves. So we invite you to come to 4528 Whittier Boulevard in the heart of East Los Angeles. So come, stop by, enjoy our awas, our superfood smoothies, our nutrient powders, and understand that food is our medicine. Our ancestors were brilliant engineers, and they created strong, powerful foods that we share with the community. Aho, Ometeo, Tonansi, Tonato. We start out on this new road. No turning back. But we have our ancestors with us. We're going to continue to dance with them. Dreaming them. Calling them. Jaguar or Fakal are getting back to their voices. They are becoming real to us and speaking to the people. 
people of the 20th century about who built this place and why and what they felt and what they thought about the world. These are not anonymous people anymore. You are the spirit of Unapu. Keep walking. We the human, we are doing the spirit of Unapu. L.A. Natives, welcome back, y'all. L.A. Natives. What up, Mondo? What up, Zero? How you doing? Man, it's it's been an amazing week. Yeah? Um, very productive. How about you? Pretty good. Um, getting closer to opening up the Malinali store and uh, just doing our work there and uh, preparing for the show. You know, I always like to study a little bit. And try to come in with a, a good conversation, not only for the person that's going to join us in, in the interview, but for the audience. You know, I spend my time trying to look up topics, trying to have opinions, because we're living in a very strange time. So, anyways, welcome, Mali Natives. My name is Zero El Vu. And I got my brother Armando from the Hip Hop Blog. And a very good friend of mine today, Armando. I've known this brother for a very long time. Um, tell us a little bit of a, of a background with him. Well, I remember when he came to Los Angeles, he was so fired up. Like, he was hitting up everybody. Like, everybody. <laughs> Can I play your show? I'll open up. Look, I got this song. I got, you want to record? Let's go record. I mean, this brother was hungry. And I really appreciated his work ethic. You know, he's on the El Evolution album, right? Yeah, we, we he was trying to be on all the albums, but... You know, <laughs> unfortunately, we were able to only just to put him on that song. Actually, he was on two songs on that album. So, yeah, he, he really made that song. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's hungry. He was hungry when he came out to Los Angeles and, uh, and you know, trying to seek what everybody else seeks is a career in music or a career in acting. And I, I know he had been featured in or, or played parts in some pretty big movies. And, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, that's something we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, I want to... Thank all of our live viewers, um, everyone that's been logging into our website. It's remarkable how every week we're just getting dozens of views, organic, real people um, stumbling upon our website, checking out the content, liking it, and then following us on Instagram. Well, I mean, um, the content has relevance. It talks about a people that have really been not only displaced, but just forgotten not, not the story has not ever ever been told correctly and the deeper we go into this podcast it's it just shows me how important the message is and the foundation and what this whole podcast is, is all about you know of course we like to highlight first all the dope seasoned indigenous hip-hop artists out there absolutely um and keese is one of them it's yes. not like keese just Stepped on the scene. Keese has been around for a very long time. He's did a. What I liked about and and connected with Keith is Keith is how much he did work on the reservations, with Culture Shock and his group before with his brother. I mean, like I said, I've known Keith for a very long time, and he's a very humble, wise, intelligent brother. He has so many stories. I mean, I'm I'm happy he's here. Um. Shout out to Mexica New Year. From what I think, there's going to be an event coming up. I'm Absolutely. not sure if it's this week or next week. I think Zero's going to be performing there. Yep. Um, for everyone tuning in, like if you guys want to come out, support, 
as soon as I get the updates on what time we're going to be performing, man, it's, it's going to be a party. Well, if we can pull it off. If and we I, could pull it off. And right? I know the brother, the brother, uh, he's working hard to do that. Yes. So. And how do you feel about this whole reopening, right? Zero. I'm sure. What remember reopening? how, remember how we talked about it last week? Now, you know, <clears throat> coming into this week, mm-hmm. have you been seeing that, that hype? They ain't reopening shit. What have they reopened? Nothing. And, and everybody's getting happy about it. What have they reopened? This is getting beyond nonsense because they're they're actually having educated people still creating fear right oh well this uh vaccinologist or whatever the fuck you call them says this and it, it must be right it must be right and no one questions anything but we'll get deeper into that Shout out to all of our new Instagram followers in this last week, man. We see y'all and we, we read all the messages you guys sent us, man. And just it's very humbling to say the least. You know, I mean, the, the response that we've been getting from our community is overwhelming. Whether it's small or big, it's deep. Like the messages that come through, like on what information we're sharing, what artists they never heard of, now they know. I mean, it's not like we know millions of people, but... We just got a DM not too long ago with someone interested in booking you in San Jose. Well, there you go. See, it's it's spreading. It's spreading because LA Natives is what I'm doing now. Before 2012, I was doing El Vu, but now it's LA Natives. Yes. And LA Natives is my focus. And and it's funner because I, it, for me, it's more enjoyable not to put down El Vu because working with El Vu was amazing. But I meet so many new artists now. You know, and I rekindle flames from other times like Keys, right? And let's go ahead and bring him on. Right on. A whole my brother. Z, bro. <laughs> What's up, brother? How you doing, Keys? Ah, there it is. Yeah. Fire keepers, brother. I always, always. I was telling the story of when I first met you. And how you were calling everybody is like, come on, let me open up, let me open up. And I just was, I was excited to work with someone like that because not everybody has that same ethic. You know what I mean? Like you, you came to LA to work and that was dope. Bro, I remember that. Yeah. Up, I remember I was in a, well, just to introduce myself. Yeah, absolutely. I was and, about and to say to that. Say, you know, just say Noah, Hikste, Stongo, Edari, Zero. I uh, just mm. want to say aho. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here and just uh, mm. sit down, chop it up, visit. Man, we could we could talk about a lot of things, brother. Straight up, you know. And that's one thing I like about uh, knowledge building and solidarity culturally, spiritually, and, and even through hip hop. Yeah. Um, my name is Keys IMC. I'm a Skeety and Chawi Pawnee, mm. and also a Nugazogi yeah. Bear Clan of the Seminole, yeah. and also a Mexican from Guanajuato. Mm. So I got roots in Guanajuato. That's where my uh, my Mexican blood comes from. I'm just glad to be here, bro. And just to, uh, you know, add to this platform that you've uh, created. And like you said, it's something that's allowed you to kind of uh, build and network with, with like minds, like spirits. Mm. Um, so for me to be here, you know, I, I, I got my, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've met you years ago mm. in an early part of my, one of my journeys yeah. going to LA. Yeah. So I've seen you work all these years and 
and me, you know, I like to build and visit with people that that I've had a a a, a journey with them. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I'm just honored to be here, bro. What and the... and yeah, thank you. We can we let's get it cracking. Thank you so much. You know, you know what I appreciate about Keith is that can you hear me, bro? I can hear you completely well. You you can you hear us? Can you hear us? I might have lost some sound. Okay. I can't hear you. No worries. We'll we'll keep testing till we're right. Are you okay? Can you hear us? I think something might have cut out. Uh-oh. Do you hear us now? Is that cool? Can you hear me? I yes. can hear you. Yeah. I can't hear you. I can hear you. Let me reset, bro. Let me reset. Yeah, yeah. Handle. Well, you you know what, Zero? He he plays a vital role in the indigenous hip hop movement, man. Like he was just he was on your on your project for evolution. For and and before that he was doing stuff in Oklahoma. Yes. With his brother. Yes. Which is Culture Shock. And and Culture Shock was no joke in the hip hop scene. Like they were getting <clears throat> they were getting booked left and right and doing workshops. So I was just are you back? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect. Okay. So I was just telling Armando like how deep you go because when you came to LA, it wasn't like it was just Keys decided to become a hip hop artist. You were doing work with your brother and doing a lot of work in the reservations and in your area. Talk a little bit about that, Keys, because that was their beginnings, right? Culture Shock. Yeah, our we we started our our crew, Culture Shock, Culture Shock Camp. There you go. Probably probably around. I mean, we've been into hip hop man since back. I I got into hip hop when I was a kid because of my brother. You know, I was like six, seven years old, uh, loving hip hop. Um, you know, it was all because of my brother. He was a big time uh, DJ here in Oklahoma City. He DJed at some of the biggest clubs here. He had his own radio station. This is in the 80s. And so he would always travel to New York and L.A. in the 80s, probably like 80, 85, 86, 87. So he, ha he was bringing back the music that was popping in New York, popping in L.A. And he'd bring it back to Oklahoma City. And basically keeping Oklahoma City like straight up uh, aligned align with the times of that era. So growing up, I had I was really fortunate because I was listening to house music that was popping in New York City. You know when it was coming out. You know I was had the opportunity to listen to all the hip hop music that was coming out. Um, you know uh, even even uh, uh, domestic or import hip hop. Um, so it was pretty much because of my brother, man. Like you know he 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 brought me into into the you know, into the music, into that, into that lifestyle. And I started DJing early, you know, I was DJing like at 10, 11, 12 years old, probably the first time I ever DJed in a club, I was 12. And, um, you know, it was like an 18 to enter type club, but you know, my brother was a DJ. So, you know, I was like, like that little kid that got on the turntables and could scratch. Wow. So I've been a part of it for a long time, bro. Um, and we started culture shock because, you know, as native artists, we were getting overlooked in the 90s. There was no platform for for us. There were no shows for us. Yep. There was no indigenous hip hop, native hip hop. And we no. were like, yo, Prior to man, the we're, 90s, no. we're, we're native hip hop artists, man. We got a message because I was moved in 1989, 88, when Yo! TV Raps came out, watching Public Enemy, watching Slick Rick, watching the videos, you know, I was seeing uh, uh, Fight the Power, seeing our black relatives, you know, with their fist up. I was like, yo. I felt that energy, that spirit come through that screen. And I directly related it to me being native, you know, because I knew our struggles through family stories and history through family stories. And, and you know, I saw some documentaries when I was a kid about uh, native movement, you know, like in, in my family was in AIM and traveled across the country and all those things. So 
I was kind of hip to it as, as a kid and I just wanted to tell our story um, as a native hip hop artist. And, and one thing that changed my life, yo, is uh, I went, my brother took me to the uh, uh, NWA and um, uh, NWA concert in 1989. No way. And um, yes, yeah, so I was there, man. And we went to the concert. He knew everybody in the city, you know, cause he had all the connections. So we got in, bro. I saw everybody. I wow. saw, I saw NWA. I there's when Public Enemy rock too. But bro, when I saw Public Enemy, I saw I saw Chuck D just like, you know, fight the power, bass in your face, like just commanding with these lyrics, man. Meanwhile, you know, Flavor Flav is running from bass cabinet to bass cabinet across the stage, just like just just man, it, it changed my life, yo. And I was like, I was a kid and I was like, this is what I want to do. And uh, we got backstage and um, when we came, we went backstage and there was the tour bus and we walked back there and the guy was like, yo, what's up? Yo, Dre, what's up, Dre? Yo, we want you to meet one of our, our uh, main DJs here in the city. And Dre was back there. Um, Dr. Dre was back there by the tour bus. And um, you remember those remote control cars back in the day, yeah. you know, that were real yeah. expensive. Yeah. Like in the eighties. Yeah, you, know, you had to put um, them together yourself, and they kind of had gas, I think, or they were yeah, very, they, they were like overpowered. Literally the best toys ever compared to the crap that the kids have. To I play remember with today. them because I asked yeah. my dad for one. They were like two two hundred and like twenty five dollars back then. It was exactly. like, oh my god, yeah. like that was expensive. Radio, you know? Radio Shack. They, we, there we you go. Afford, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't exactly. afford those. Those were like those were like man dream gifts that mm. we never got to have, man, because we didn't have money. But I go back to and but but. I remember as a kid, I always wanted one of those. Like I was like, but you know, the ones we had had the wires on the on the controls, the wires to the car. Right, right. So they you could have you had to walk with the car. <laughs> but um, we went back there, man, and Dre was playing with his remote control car, yo. Oh. Wow. And I was like, damn, he's got that one. Because oh. I remember seeing which one he had. Mm. So we walked up, man, and 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 uh, they introduced us. My brother was talking to Dre. And um, my brother goes, yo, Dre, this is my this is my little brother, MC Free. My name was MC Free back then because of my my initials, MC Free. This is my this is my little brother, MC Free. He's a rapper, man. He's he's a hip hop artist, man. Little native rapper. And Dre was like, yo, what's up, little man? You know, gave me some dap. Uh, and I was like, what's up, Dre? Uh, you know, so man, you know, as a kid, you know, we're we're so inf influenced by what we see. And that changed my life, yo. Wow. You know? I mean, that changed my how life. many people could say that? How many people could say at that, at the height of that tour and that popularity, you had the ability to go? And when you mingle with um, artists at that level, it almost gives you a precursor of what you could be, right? If you work really yeah. hard and stay really focused and, and I don't know, make certain decisions that, that will get you to that platform because both. First of all, being at the platform of NWA is a commercial pop group. That's not mm -hmm. like some, you know, we we get that mixed up with Public Enemy being a commercial commercial pop group, but they only let one of those slip in about every twenty years. You know, yeah, every twenty years, if you got something to say, they're gonna let it slip in if they can make money off of it. And then the trail of it is us going, oh wow, we could have a career just the same, right? Because we mm -hmm. we have a lot of stuff to say and stuff, and it doesn't work out that way sometimes, but. To get back to your experience, I'm glad that it inspired you because if it if it didn't, you know, you wouldn't have came to LA thirsty and hungry, yeah. hungry and, bro. and met hungry. a lot of good people. And and now look at us. We're back in LA natives. You're back in your in your in your territories. And and we're trying to create a movement, Armando and I, of 
of of public enemies, not just one, but a sea of them, which is yeah. you, Snotty Nose, Taboo, everybody that's been on Alley Natives has had some sort of a public enemy message. So think about that. It's and, not just one group. And a, a, a public enemy influence, too. Yeah. But staying on that topic, Zero, like what influenced you? Like the, the same story that Keith just, uh, just said, like, What's your story? Like, what influenced you? Was it Public Enemy or Karis One, or was it? It was, was Karis One for me. It was Karis One for me because I went to a show in Santa Cruz, and uh, I had just finished the Calpuli record, which is more co co producing and executive producing. And then I went to this Karis One, and he did this crazy astrological rhyme about how you know the zenith and all this. You know, he could get really deep. And I went, I want to do that. I want to do that, but for indigenous people. And not only for indigenous people, but for Mesoamerican indigenous people who were wiped off and forgotten over 500 years ago. And then people are going to say, well, what are you going to be your references? And then I say, my blood. My blood is my reference. So that's really what did it. It's kind of like I seen someone do a profound piece, uh, a freestyle, uh, an acapella. And I said, I could do that. And that's a dope influence because he's cut of a different cloth compared to these mainstream artists. Karis One's more like grounded, more underground, let's say. Yeah, he didn't he didn't really buy into we can make you famous. He didn't do that. He he just grinded it it, it reminds me of Keese because that's what Keese does. Right, Keese? Like I don't think you're a type of artist that says, Oh, I'm too old to do this or I can't do the popular sound anymore. I'm done. I, I, Keese is the first one to try that sound when it comes out, right? He's the one that's really, really researched on how to fit in. One thing I, I liked one of his albums. It's called Death at 30, right? Death over 30. Death over 30. There you go. See, that's a dope, like that took a long time to kind of put together, right? And thought. Talk a little bit about that, that, that title, because people say, oh, wow, older hip hop. Uh, artists are bitter at the new generation it's not that it's just it, it, it's not that at all it just mm -hmm. evolved in a different way right well, like, for my for my music man my music is is always been about movement consciousness uh -huh. indigenous empowerment um there since was a day time one, since day one right yeah yeah oh definitely since day one there was a time though you know when i got um I went to church, mm. you know, I went to church for probably like about a year and a half, man. And um, believe it or not, man, I was rocking some of the biggest church shows in Oklahoma City. Wow. But long story short in that, whenever um, I had some of my own people, some natives come up to me one time. And I think a lot of things in life are built off trust in regards to like your spirit, you know, how you are as a person. So when right. you connect with somebody spiritually or you think it's spiritual sometimes you know i guess in that in that air in that time it was more religious so i i kind of put i kind of trusted some people and i remember when i shared some of my like like indigenous spiritual visions out of trust of things that i i knew things that i could see um these these uh, natives that were really diehard christians you know told me that it was the devil and that it was it was evil and i was like whoa whoa 
no, it's not. You know, and I think right there, you know, I, I realized during that little year and a half of my life of, of experiencing that, I understood the difference between, of course, relationship, religion, spirituality, religion, doctrination. And, you know, there's good things that you can learn or take from, from a lot of places of connection. And one of the things that I didn't take was that, that perspective. And so, but before that, you know, it was, it was movement consciousness and, um, you know, not liking the white men, you know, a lot of my music was like, like, you know, the white men just taking our land, but this is back in the nineties. So this wasn't popular. It wasn't a popular subject. You know, that's why we didn't get shows. That's why people were like, yo, man, that's what, it, what are you talking about? We would literally do shows in the nineties and people would walk away from the stage because of our, what we were talking about. Right. Um, you fast forward, you know, throughout my, my musical career, it's always been about that sound, you know, mm. cause I always wanted to create an indigenous sound within my hip hop. Mm. And even back, you know, in the nineties <clears throat> within my own people, when I would put chants like native chants to hip hop, there were some natives that, that didn't like it because they thought it was, you know, um, disrespectful, but, you know, I tried to explain to them that, you know, this is this this is dope this, this sounds really beautiful of course nowadays it's very common but you know that's what we were doing back then you know what that i'm gonna i'm gonna interject right there because when we came into consciousness in the early 90s we try to do the same thing mm -hmm. we try to use like our native songs or whatever little native songs that we had or like i remember people would trip if you brought your feathers or something like that right and that kept my medicine with me so hard, so buried, you know, because people had opinions about if you were going to share that with your music, how disrespectful that was. This wasn't the modern. But then how do you get to the youth? How do you they're not just going to fall in line with old. Um, and, and let's let's face it. It was very Christianized structure for our natives that were teaching our generation. Right. Because the fact that you fell into the church is not surprising. It's not surprising. Mm -hmm. But everybody just overlooks it like if it's nothing like, mm -hmm. yeah, for a time I was in the church. Well, for a time I grew up in the church keys from the from the time I came from the womb till about, you know, maybe 13 years old when I started realizing what it was. Right. Mm -hmm. But everybody gets swept under the church. You got to be you're like a small percentage if you never get like swept into that and my kids fall into that yeah. category so mm -hmm. it and and why i'm pointing this out is because we can't overlook the fact that oh this very peaceful gentle religion came and touched my life it that religion is more violent than anything on this planet i'm gonna call it out i don't care if you're protestant i don't care if you're catholic i don't care whatever you are if it comes with that cross it killed millions of people across the globe millions of people across the globe and somehow we feel bad because we fell into this place where they forced us to go if not we were beaten or killed true or not true in the past that's what happened right until we forcefully forcefully bowed down and now we indoctrinate ourselves and we go there willingly and then we go wait this is all a scam this is not there's no there's no depth in here at all right I, I feel like, you know, back then in the 90s, I would say 80s and 90s, um, it was 
fire and brimstone, you know? And, you know, w the way I grew up is going to ceremonies, going to our cultural way of life mm -hmm. and, and then going to church. Um, there was a lot of things that, that I didn't like and, and I disagreed with, but, you know, as you get older and you understand, uh, how, you know, did Ibofunga, his Mizi creator, uh, communicates with you. Mm. Um, it's just something that we naturally have as indigenous people. We, we naturally have this spiritual connection that can translate through our lives. Um, and along the way you find yourself along the way you find what it is that you're meant to do here, you know, on this earth. And for me, you know, it was music. It was the ability to use this gift to, to, uh, maybe help my people or, or encourage or inspire just people in general. And not only that, but just to share our story that for far too long was, was written and documented by white people. Mm. And so now we're in a time, you know, in the eighties and nineties where we can start telling our own stories. I can only speak from that uh, time period because, you know, my age, mm. anything else beyond that is just knowledge that I've gained from my, my grandparents and, mm. and, and uncles and relatives. And so in saying that, um, that's why we have that connection. That's why like an album like Deaf Over 30, which I released in 2015, um, was just me saying that we're still dope mm. over 30. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're still relevant. Our message was almost in the, was in the pioneering stage of indigenous hip hop, native hip hop. We're still here, not mad that native hip-hop has evolved uh it's it, it's evolved like a few times i've seen it since the beginning mm. and that's dope to me because i think hip-hop can evolve and can change and and people come to come to their connection they come to their light to where they realize yo it's i need to start spitting this message because back in the day bro nobody wanted to talk about native hip-hop mm -hmm. indigenous hip-hop mm -hmm. you know i remember being on panels and I was always like, yo, this indigenous hip hop, this this is what we are. We have an opportunity, man, to tell our story. And there will be other native artists. Nah, man, it's just hip hop. This is hip hop. I was like, no, dude, this is this is something different. You know, we have the ability, number one, because we're orators, we're storytellers. Mm. We can translate, you know, spiritual messages and frequencies through our words into this technology. And we have that ability. That's why you kind of look at indigenous hip hop as like, man, almost like spiritual roots music because we we bring our our ancestral language into it you know and and that's a beautiful thing and so my whole my whole career musical career even my recent album land back planets in the moon i stick to messages of prophecy messages of spiritual empowerment mm. awareness mm. and identity and not only that man but you know we're still dope and we're still relevant we can still rock with the best of them. You, you know, know. I like I like that I like that title. I I you, I was about to say why I like Keith so much because not only do you have a cohort that actually rocks a stage with you, has the same opinions as you, but then all of a sudden you're in ceremony and guess who's there? Keith sitting right next to you, pouring water in the sweat lodge, sweating with you. That when I did that with Keith. I was like, wow, the prophecy's coming true because you're from a very far region and you're coming over mm -hmm. here to people who really never really been taught, never had. We're the orphan people. We're the people that gathered ourselves together and tried to teach ourselves every little bit 
that anyone would teach us, right? And so now we have this little sweat lodge, and now Chicanos got into it, right? Got Chicanos got into that ceremony, and it really saved my life. It, it really opened up so much doors, and it gave me so much confidence. It just, it brought, it, it made the orphan soul not be an orphan anymore and mm -hmm. knew his brother was right there from Oklahoma and his brother from Canada and his brother from Arizona and his brother from New Mexico. And I'm tying it into what you just said about indigenous hip hop. Indigenous hip hop, in my opinion, is like Chicano rap, but Chicano rap has the same uniform, has the same flow and has the same beat structure regionally. Wherever you go, even if you go to Japan, it's still going to have the same kind of stuff. But when you, caught, when you talk about indigenous hip-hop, Kiss doesn't sound anything like El Vu. And El Vu sounds nothing like Snotty Nose. You see how it's like all diverse and it just has its big powwow, but a big foundation, a group of people that support it like Chicano Rap. Yeah, and when it comes to judging indigenous hip-hop like how master ace spoke to us about right behind the scenes you know while as we were doing these international indigenous hip-hop awards red carpet interviews um you have to be dope at the same time that's why when i listen yeah. to keese's music you're so polished just like how when i listen to elvu and zero's music you, you're so polished at the same time well, when me and Keith decided to be hip-hop artists, and you like for, had to write dope lyrics. And like for me like, as a fan, not anyone gets to get on an El Vu record. No. So for Keith to have that spot yeah. on the El Vulucion, that's legendary for, for all the indigenous hip-hop fans out here. You know what I'm saying? I did that because one, he was from far away, and two, he, he, he was professional. He was the, probably the most professional feature that I had. And, he knew and, exactly how he wanted to record it. And I'm sure Keith knew what time it was. When it came to at at that time, how influential El Vu was? Yeah, well, we were doing pretty good things in LA at that time. We were part of XRF, and we're doing the the Farsa July. So a lot of people knew our names, and and uh, and Keith just fit in. It felt like he lived here forever. You know, it just it was it was cool. But he wasn't from here, and you would tell by because of the stories he would tell, and and he would sing his songs, his native songs. Like, they sound nothing like the ones that we sing over here, like the peyote songs or whatever Chicano songs that we sing in our street lodge. So, and, and for everyone that's been following LA Natives, they all know that the reason why LA Natives podcast was created was because of artists like Keese. Yeah. Who embrace the title of this genre <laughs> that's called indigenous hip hop. Am I right, Zero? Did I not approach you? And I'm like, look, bro, like, there's this, in, there's this, in indigenous hip hop community out there and i feel like we need to create a podcast for it yeah i mean when he said that to me keys i thought of the gathering of the nations and how many hip-hop mm -hmm. artists were there there was like a billion hip-hop native it was like a whole genre right it has its own genre its own lane it doesn't sound like anything else although they try to sound a little bit like the city they still have their feel to it you know what i mean they still have their their language and their their slang or whatever it is that they do in their territory. So that that to me brings up profound artists that keep working and working and working towards this intention, right? Which is just to be yourself, you know, be yourself. And that, that's one thing that I, I've never seen Keith any 
different than he is right now. Like he's just you himself. Know, you know, I want to say uh, zero, man. When I first moved to L.A., you know, I moved to L.A. Um, in 2004, like uh, October 2004. Mm. Uh, I just I just. I just did a little some hip hop shows kind of all over the country. I was in San Francisco and uh, I did a show in Santa Rosa at uh, Chacha Banque. And that's where I met Aslan Underground. Yeah, I met Yao. Oh, yeah. And um, there was some other homies there from um, uh, Canada. This was probably like around May. May. Yeah. Yeah. May. This was in May of 2004. And um, I just built with the bros, man. And. And, um, you know, we had a dope show. It was really dope. And then after that, I just had this idea. I went back to Oklahoma. And then I, I um, was just, I, I was about to get booked for the Vans Warp Tour. So I went on the Vans Warp Tour that summer. And then I got in a movie. Mm. So when I got in the movie, I, I was filming the movie for like two two months. Saved all my money. Went back, worked at the casino here in Oklahoma. I was working graveyard shift. And I was just like, yo, I got it. I got to get out of Oklahoma City, man, because we reached our pinnacle, man. We did everything we could possibly do in this city. And we traveled all over the country. We we're in all the big MC battles. We used to battle all over. Mm. You know, it was, it was for years that was our life, just hip hop and battling. And then I was like, well, I can either go to New York or I can go to L.A. And um, I was thinking about going to New York because in 2002, I went to the Def Jam MTV MC battle. I got I got to go on that uh, little uh, battle thing that they had out there and while I was in New York City this is another story I was in beat non-stop or fat beats and I just randomly ran into some dudes ran into Mortal Technique ended up kicking it with him and his crew for like three days Whoa. was in the studio with him when he was recording Revolutionary 2 no way yeah so I and everywhere I went back in the day I always had a camcorder so I was documenting everything because it was just like that's how I always love film so I was in the studio with Mortal Technique um, in 2002 um, or was that 3 but anyway, he was, they were recording. So I was filming Immortal Technique, like um, recording his album. And, man, I almost got on the album. Whoa. Like, we had that dope that doesn't surprise connection. Me. That doesn't surprise know? me. But I, I wasn't, I wasn't persistent enough or, you know, I just, I was just like, this is dope. You know, I was just freestyling, man. But, mm. but, um, you know, it's something that could have possibly happened, but it didn't. But right. aside from that, just being there mm. and being able to film that and be inspired in New York and to know that, man, we could go to New York and rock. So it was either New York, or L.A. Mm. I came to L.A. I chose L.A. in 2004, two years later. I go to a show, right? That that November of 2004, I get a flyer. And I'm only in L.A. for like a month. And I see this show at Self-Help Graphics. It was a, a Thanksgiving, like a Thanksgiving show, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And it said uh, Karis One, El Vu, and there was a bunch of other artists. Yeah. I, so I was like, oh, shit, I got to go to this. So it was over there on Gage. I think it was Gage and Caesar, Caesar yep, Chavez. Yep. So I go to the show upstairs, you know, old school one upstairs. Yep. So I go there, man, and yo, bro, I walked in there and I was like, damn, look at all these natives. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> My first impression. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. They got a freaking native hip hop scene here. So I'm just cruising around. And I go and I'm like, nobody knows me. That was probably the dopest part. Just mm. being in a city, nobody knows you. Mm. You know, you just like, it's like a whole new world, a whole new life, man. It was just amazing. Just a beautiful time. So I'm walking around and I and I go and I I, I kind of see some of the organizers and I'm, I'm like, yo, is it okay if I uh, set up a booth? I got some CDs for sale. And they were like, yeah, yeah, cool. So they let me set up a booth. Yeah. So I get a little table 
set up my little banner and I put my CDs out. So I'm sitting there chilling, looking around, watching everybody. And all of a sudden, guess who walks by? Karis one. Zero. Oh, me. <laughs> zero walks by. Oh, shit. Zero comes, zero comes to my booth and I'm sitting there chilling. I'm like, what's up, man? What's up? And Zero, you know how Zero, man, he'll be looking at something. He'll be really studying. <laughs> so, so Zero picks up this CD right here. Okay. Yep. Zero picks up this. And I tell him, I say, yo, this is native hip hop. And he's like, oh, work, work. So I want to shout you out, Zero, man. You were the only one that night to buy a CD. Well, I, I, I sold remember, one CD. I remember, <laughs> well, I remember your story. I, I just remember your story and your hunger and, and, and the fact that you, I guess now that I heard this story of you coming to the South Health Graphics show, because that was a pretty cra crazy show. I'll never forget that show. Um, it was dope. It was, it was the formation of like social media for me. Cause the only reason that show got popular is because of MySpace. MySpace had yeah. just launched yeah. and everybody was like sharing stuff on, on that platform. And, and Karis won. I was there when Fidel asked him to play that show. He, I was right there. He's all, Hey brother, we're going to do this show. Cause Fidel got really into Chicano records and film. And so mm -hmm. he had the plug with fucking Karis one. And Karis One has always showed love to like our community of indigenous or Mexican, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, when Fidel asked him, he's all, well, I don't know if I have time. He's all, yeah, the show's called Thanks Taking. And he's all, I'm there. He was kind of like telling us nicely no. But it, the minute he heard the name of the show, he's all, I'm there. I'm going to be there. And I was like, what? Like, fuck, that's a dope ass artist. That's a dope mm -hmm. ass artist that didn't care. He's all, oh, but he was a little weird, though. He, he needed two half gallons of, oh, God, what orange juice? Tropicana orange juice. No pulp. No pulp. And two white brand new towels. He needs that to perform. <laughs> two half gallon Tropicana orange juice, no pulp, and two white towels. I remember that. It is crazy that you were at that showcase and... That's a crazy story. And, and I, I had I, you must have told me your story and I had to buy something from you. If you were if you were coming from that far and being that hungry and excited. I mean, he, just, he was meant to be there because Keith, I don't know if you know, but at that time, self-help gra graphics was a legendary space. Yeah, it was <laughs> that place right there from the 70s to that point was. Yeah, it, it's held a lot of. As a matter of fact, I met John Densmore there from the doors, the drummer from the doors. I met him at that space, which is crazy. Like, it's crazy musical history. Right. Thing, as soon as you know? Keys mentioned, yeah, the one, the old school spot upstairs. On Gage, yeah. Yeah, it brought me back memories, man. I've been to so mm. many events there. Yeah. I'm so sure. many dope indigenous hip hop events there. Well, that's where it kind of started, you know, and, and we're trying to make it a national and even pan-national crossing not Canada, U.S., Mexico, and as far as we can, Keys. So, you know, you're a part of this mix here. You know, you, you have really good music. And is there anything new coming up? Any new singles? Anything? I know you said you mentioned a new album. Um, yeah, I just I just dropped my new album. It's called Land Back, Planets in the Moon. Talk about it. So talk about it's, it. It's dope, man. Check it. It's, man what's, well, what's the content? It was an album. It's an album. Really? It's really weird. I hope you don't take this wrong, but I'm not concentrating on albums. I'm concentrating mm -hmm. like on single video, you know, 
mini doc kind of things, you know, back behind the scenes, more kind of thing. But that's crazy that you put. But I, it doesn't surprise me because you write like 50,000 songs. So you have material to put together. And, and that, that's what I loved about Keith is that he was so prepared all the time. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that he has an album. Right. I'm not like well, that. I really can't write that way. I, 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 after I released Death Over 30 in 2015, mm-hmm. um, I, I started to promote it for some of the awards. But then shortly after that, um, Standing Rock popped off. Oh, okay. So when Standing Rock popped off in 16, um, I really got involved in that. And I, I kind of didn't really promote Death Over 30, um, didn't really pursue any awards or anything like that. And just, you know, started working, uh, you know, in, in organizing with uh, a couple of activist movements. And from there, man, I just, I started to see, you know, a lot of negative, you know, a lot of lateral oppression. You know, everywhere you would look, you would see, you know, our own people tearing down our own people. And, and I just come to realize, man, a, a lot, many times in my journey and, and even in my music career, that you know there's going to be people that love you and there's going to be people that be people that don't and just all the negative that i saw and, and what i felt and even things that i endured and went through and learned from i realized man you know i don't think i want to do this anymore so i stepped away from music i stopped doing music pretty much altogether. and then years started to go by and i was like you know what i think i might be done with music and and then finally, I got, I came to the conclusion that, you know what, that's, that's probably it. That might've been my last album. And then I, and then I came to the spiritual realization um, that if music is ever to come back to me, it's going to have to come back to me. And if it comes back to me, I'm going to feel it and I'm going to know. And for years it didn't. And I was cool. And then it got to the point where I was like, yo, that was it. I'm done. I'm good. Wow. And then I just started looking at other things that, could possibly you know feel that that feeling that I, I used to have because I always loved music and then um around in 2019 is when I lost my father which was really tough because me and my, my father were really close and one thing that he always would tell me he would always tell me because you know being an artist when you love when you're not operating out of your gift you know you feel like something's missing so he knew that he could sense that in my spirit and he would always tell me he would say, you know, son, you, you ever thought about making music again? And I'm like, nah, dad, I think I'm done. I think that's it. He goes, well, he goes, maybe, maybe one day you'll make, you'll make music again, son. I said, maybe, dad. And then, and that was, you know, that was something that he always encouraged me. And then to, and then tw- early 2020, bro, I kid you not, man. I, I uh, learned, I literally learned how to uh, make beats on Ableton because it's so easy. It's just like a laptop and a little small little keyboard. And bro, I, when I when I figured it out, it took me like 45 minutes to figure out my formula, how to how to use my formula on Ableton. And then from there, when I figured it out, I literally spent a month straight just on that machine making beats, yo. Yeah. I probably made like 45 beats. Wow. And like literally, I felt the spirit of music come back to me. Yeah. And I knew. And right when I felt that, I said, shit, I'm not done there's still more work to be done with this gift. And then that's why I went on to uh, make that, make that project, make that album. So I made those beats and then all the uh, protests popped off, you know, around Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, 
Amon Arbery, and you know, took off with that for about five, six months, and then came circled back to music, and then worked on my album from October uh, to November, and then dropped it in December. So, you know, I stepped away from music, man, for five years from 2015. Um, but I think that's the spirit of music, man. That's the spirit of the gift. Creator, you know, gives us gifts, and sometimes we step away and, and we're brought back to it. And I feel like. You know, it's like movement. You know, we we have the ability to help people, whether in organizing, speaking, ceremonial, spiritually, or through music, or all of that.、Mm. And that's pretty much you know why I started making music again, man. This past year, and it, it's dope, man. I I, just, I think everybody should go check my album out. It's definitely different. There's probably some mainstream sounds in there, or just different sounds, but it was me experimenting with this new way of making beats. You know what I'm saying? Because Before that, I'm using an MPC 2000 XL, a big ass Yamaha Motif keyboard, all these mic pre's. Like, you know, I can't travel with that shit. That's、mm. a lot. Of, that's a lot of hardware.、Mm-hmm. So literally, you can make beats on this little ass computer with a little ass keyboard that can fit in my backpack. That shit's mind blowing. And、mm. I just learned how to do that.、Mm. You know what I'm saying?、Yeah. So I'm like on a whole other level of like possibilities. Yeah. But you know, that's why I came back to music, man. It came back to me. Well, that's cool, man. I like the I like the story about your dad, because it reminded me when you when you told when you were you talking about it, and it just、uh, an image of my mom came up, and she always asked me every single time, every single time, how's the music, how's and for a long time I didn't have anything until you know Armando offered me the show at the region, or actually offered Elvu, and Elvu couldn't make it, so I I did it as a solo artist,、mm-hmm. and and then all of a sudden like he books me for the region. You know, I I get the reaction from the crowd like, "Whoa, this music is relevant. This music touched people that night." And then now we're doing a podcast, and I didn't go into jumping into making an album, but I definitely wrote songs. I've written three songs that I felt really, really concentrated on and didn't have no pressure about putting on a, a project. I know how you work. You work like in bulks, like. You have a lot of things prepared because I remember when you came to the studio and your book of rhymes was insane. It's like, whoa! I could go here, I could go there, and and then your style of recording is just unorthodox. You know, where you do two bars or three bars or four bars at a time. At <clears> least <throat> when I recorded those two songs that you're on. So, all of that put together, Keys. Yeah, <laughs> that album. <laughs> all of that put together, brother. The inspiration of your father not re- not reminding you. That you once had a fire inside of you, and that fire was called music,、mm-hmm. right? And that loved one, that relative, our unk, my uncle, reminded you, Keith, don't forget your fire, brother.、Mm-hmm. And I'm、Say. glad, I'm glad that you're doing that because it reminds me of my mom. She tells me that all the time, and I, I really didn't pay attention to it until now, until you said that story with your dad. I was like. That's what she's doing. She's rem- she's reminding me, Mijo. Don't forget what you really, 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 really love. Before、yeah. you loved a girl, before you loved anything, you loved this.、Mm-hmm. Don't forget that.、Just、and you be- know what, brother? Yeah. My father came back yeah. spiritually yeah. a few times. Yeah. And when he heard my music, when he saw me working, he saw that joy in me. He was like, "We shall do it all, hey son." You know. <laughs> Yeah, he was happy. Yeah, he was happy. and you're right, bro. That fire, that hunger, and you had mentioned something at the beginning of this, at this beginning of this interview, this talk.、Um, when I first moved to LA, bro, 
I emailed and I emailed. I don't know who it was, but I was sending email after email because I saw this show going on at the joint. Remember the, the joint? joint? Yeah, I remember. Didn't I tell you a story okay. about the joint? This guy. So there's a show happening at the joint. I see the flyer and I see all these native artists on it. And I'm like, man, I see a contact email and I'm emailing this person. I'm like, yo, what's up? My name is Keith IMC. I'm native hip hop artist. I just moved here. I was wondering if I could open up. Yeah. No response. Again, yeah. can I open up? No response. Then I start hitting up homies that I know in other states that knew some of the artists. And I was like, yo, can you like vouch for me? Can you, you know, ask that uh, Aslan Underground if I can get on and perform? And yeah. I had homies from Canada reaching out to Aslan Underground. Man, it literally took two and a half weeks, but I kept emailing. And it got to the point where I was like, I go, my last email, I was like, yo, man, all I'm asking, man, maybe I could just do just three minutes, man. One song, just three minutes. Yeah. I went down to three minutes, yeah. bro. It went from like, I could do 40 minutes. Wait, I could do 20 minutes. I could do 10 minutes, guys. Come on, 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I can relate to that because I'm a major promoter. I get artists like that all the time. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, dude, this was keys. And then I, I, don't, I wasn't running the show, but I remember them going, all right, there's this brother who, who, uh, who was going to do two songs. He said he's going to only do two songs. I just think he's best believe those promoters, they saw your emails. They just didn't respond. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. It, it, at that time, you know, I was not in charge of the booking part of it, but mm -hmm. I remember this story because he's. I just want to do two songs. I was like, dude, when he when I heard that this brother wanted to do two songs, I stayed to see it, and I wanted to meet him because that kind of fire isn't in everyone. It's not. It's a lot of people would be like, nah, all right. They didn't answer me. Okay. 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 No one would cut their set that they love so much down to, and you ended up playing longer, which is cool, you know, because I remember <laughs> I, you were hungry, bro. You were just like, I'm playing, I'm playing, bro, I'm playing. Bro, I, you, you don't understand how hype, excited, yeah, hungry I was. Like when I got there, bro, yeah. I was the opening act yeah, and I, I and everybody was like, Yo, man, LA, they seen it all. They seen it. It's all I kept hearing. I was like, man, I don't care. I just want to perform. All I wanted to do was rock his show. Yeah. I was so hungry, bro. And I got on there and they said, look, man, you got, I think they said I had 10 minutes. Mm. You got 10 minutes. And I go, okay, cool. And I went on, bro. And I remember, man, uh, all the homies were there. Like yeah. all the yeah. homies. Yeah. Man. Everybody was there. Yeah. And I just remember people were, you know, it was early and everybody was just chilling in the booths, you know, just kind of minding their own business, talking at the bar, kind of mingling around. Man, I started performing, bro. Kid you not, man. First song, nobody's paying attention. Second song, by the second song, I didn't care, bro. I was like yeah. in my own zone. Yeah. yeah. Like I was, I felt like I was like, like it was like a, just a beautiful healing experience to be able to just rock in a new city. My first show in LA. And then all of a sudden, I felt that spirit move through me, yo. And next thing you know, dude, I remember this. I remember this. People at the bar started going like this. Yeah, yeah. And then they go like this. <laughs> and the next thing you know, people start peeking out of their booths. By the fourth song, man, people started coming up to the stage and started just grooving and dancing, yo. And then I brought out my hand drum and started singing some native songs. I and think I that was, was that was the highlight right there is when you... When you when you brought so out when you brought out the drum, man, that was like because that was the first time I heard your ceremonial singing. And to be honest with you, brother, your ceremonial singing is massively moving. 
when you just give me little little tidbits, like when I've seen you at Sweat or, or when you sing a song in the Sweat or something like that, I almost feel like I'm pre-conquest, pre-whatever, like, because you have that in you, bro. Like, it's like, almost takes me back to a time where it's like, oh, wow, white supremacy melted away for a second. Because oh. I heard, because I heard free, freedom. I heard that voice that, that, that abuelo that lives in you, that grandfather that lives in you come out and he's just like when you're in the ether and you come out through inspiration and song then there's nothing a white man or supremacist or army or a bullet or a bomb can do because you have that's why it's so powerful to be who you are keys mm-hmm. you know you know Elvu, i gotta give you props bro because you you and El or zero you you and yeah. Elvu, man like we, we've done so many shows together in la yeah. bro uh-huh like serio for yeah, real yeah it's, like it's, all over la and it's a grind because they asked it's it's not when you hear that right audience you hear like oh yeah we did a lot of shows it was hard to do those shows because they didn't pay you you just mm-hmm. wanted to share your music just the story that keith just shared that was us we'll play 15 minutes we'll play 10 minutes we'll play 20 minutes whatever you give us we'll play and you just want to let that inner ancestor out because you were inspired to go into the recording studio, write the song, and now you got to say it. You're just itching mm-hmm. to say it. Like, uh. So I'm happy for you writing that new album, brother. Like, I know how you feel right now. Um, yeah. When you have, when, when Keith has a project, it's like, oh man, move back because he's going to put it in everybody's face and let everybody hear it. And that's the way it should be, young artist. And keep grinding and grinding and, 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 and evolving because. You're muted. A lot of the new artists today have no idea what, what grinding is all about when you're being persistent, respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I right? I, I mean. Because that's the only way to get ahead, to just really lay your foot down, but in a humble way, get what you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one, you work hard to be successful, but the success, like, I don't, I don't, when I view my career and what I invested my time my music still gets heard it's still it's still the talking point when people see me it's like jaguar prophecies evolution like they talk about that project that means it's like a a a mona lisa where it's like yeah that shit was written you know 20 years ago but somehow some way it's still relevant today i have a mixtape that i've been sharing music from that i wrote eight years ago like when you write timeless music like keys and everybody else who's been on this show that we've highlighted it doesn't go away yeah you know it doesn't go away and i guess maybe what i wanted to to kind of tie into is that the message is not to be a bigot not to discriminate against someone just because they come from europe that's not that's not what we talk about right keys we're talking about people who are blatantly disrespecting the land, blatantly disrespecting treaty laws that their fathers and great-grandfathers signed. People who just take resources and don't care about what the repercussions are on the community around them. That's what we're talking about, white supremacy. That's when we say white people because they're clearly defining themselves when they do that. You know, so here's this show, L.A. Natives. We're bringing artists like Keith IMC and 
everyone else who who you've seen so far, you know, this is mm-hmm. the message. The message is there's strength in who you are in a nonviolent way, in mm-hmm. an intelligent way, in a spiritual way. You can heal yourself. Correct? Peace. Exactly. And whenever you operate out of that out of that way, you meet people that understand all and are a part of that way. And going back to that show at the joint where I met y'all, my first show, because of that show and because y'all allowed me to perform and, and invited me in to, to open up. And I took that opportunity and I came with my energy and my spirit because I meant it. There were other people at that show that really enjoyed it. And when I got off stage, I got two more gigs from that. And then from that, bro, my my career, my journey and my life in L.A. just kept kept developing. So I thank you. You know, I thank you and the crew, you know, that helped me out at that moment, you know, which helped me stay in L.A. for as long as I, I did. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I probably would have stayed in L.A. for like three or four months and then went back home because nothing popped off. But because of those like spiritual uh, people that you meet along the way, you know, that was able to happen, you know, and that's the way in the journey that I strive to to live is to to spiritually build and connect in solidarity with people who understand. You know, nowadays there's so much, if it's not lateral oppression, it's just people, humans attacking humans, and mm. through through identity, through mm. who was who who created this, or who created this first, you know. Who was who was the first this the first that there's so much people mm. that are are bumping heads and that's the thing bumping heads that means you're bumping minds and that's the power of the mind and spiritually we talk about one of the greatest battles is the you're from your mind to your spirit in ceremony we talk about how you know the longest journey a person could take is from their mind to their spirit and that's a journey mm. you know what i mean mm. that's a spiritual journey mm. and knowledge Knowledge ain't just going to happen like that. You're not just going to read some books and have the knowledge. It's a spiritual journey in order for you to decode that spiritual information. And when that happens, that's whenever your life changes. That's when you put away the ego. You put away the indoctrination. You know, you put away your own perspective on the information that's coming in spiritually. And you let it move through you, bro. So I, I hear you. You know, I've seen the battles pop off all over the country. If not in real time, in real life, online. You know, and if we have these type of conversations where we come back to, okay, how can we connect first on a spiritual human level? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And from there, we can develop an understanding of where we come from. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and, I, and I just wanted to share that. And, and one thing that I say, I was just on, um, uh, I was just on a clubhouse. I just got on clubhouse a week ago. Bro, like there's so, so many conversations, man, that are just so borderline toxic and 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 painful and and operating out of you know historical trauma of of who is who Mm. and like you said earlier you know you said how how do i know the information that i'm giving you know i'm not coming with the the the, i'm not citing anybody the information comes spiritually Mm. the information comes to you spiritually Mm. the information doesn't come from who you can cite Mm. but if you have the spiritual knowledge it's coming from a sacred site mm. it's coming from the temple oh. you know what I mean? it's coming from the earth lodge it's coming from the the sweat lodge it's coming from the god of the dog 
you know, the the uh, uh, it's coming from these sacred places that we have a direct connection to. Oh. We got a direct connection to the stars. Oh. We can go out back, have a ceremony, and ask our ancestors to come, and they will. Oh. And they'll bring us a message. Oh. And that's the difference between memorized information and direct connection mm. to where the information comes from. Oh, keys. And what I, in saying that, bro, you know, all the work that you've done, you know, how you helped me at a point in my life, which was a turning point many years ago in LA. Yeah. Bro, that was a part of the journey. Yeah. Now we circle back. Absolutely. We circle back and here we are, bro. This might be another part of the journey. Absolutely. I mean, you understand LA natives, why I like to talk to Keith and why I had to feature him. Armando, this guy is profound. When he gets on a roll and, and that connection taps in, it's almost like you're speaking to, like I said, a free native. Well, to have a brother like this, to be a part of what I believe is going to be called the new awakening. There's a new awakening case of indigenous hip hop out there that needs to be exposed. Yeah. You know, it's a great time to live, to be yeah. honest, because yeah. it's like the tools are there for us to take advantage of. Yeah. And not be a part of the machine, but to be against the grain at all at all costs. Right. Well, to save as much autonomy as you can, because it takes autonomy to do these type of things, to, to even spiritually connect in the way that Keith just explained it, it. You need to be free. And let's face it. The colonial masters got lazy and they let things ride and let things ride. And now everybody's like awakened. But really, in reality, though, they couldn't stop it. This is foretold long, long time ago. Can I ask you, Keith, has, has, has these lockdowns and the pandemic uh, hindered your music career in, in any way? Not at all, bro. And I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I saw it. We spiritually are given dreams and visions. Yeah. And, and when those come, you know, how you interpret them, you interpret them by when in real time in this world, when you're given a sign, when you're given that sign, you understand that, okay, this vision is coming to pass. And you mimic everything in that vision so that when you when you mimic it, the reason they give it to you is to bring you comfort to know now is the time to operate out of your gift. Continue to do everything you can spiritual to bring a balance in this world. And that's how we are as indigenous people. We're not going to argue about it. Mm. When the struggle comes, when the battle comes, we don't want to argue about it. We find a solution. Mm. We put our, our minds together. That's what our minds are for. Because within our our Akitaro, Skiri belief, Pawnee belief is that when we're dealt with a challenge, if we're dealt with a challenge, I say, say, we want to have a ceremony. Brother, I got the tree cutters. Zero's like, yo, I got the truck. Mm. Armando's like, yo, I got the gas money. Mm. Uh -huh. Let's go. Let's go. We put our minds together in that regard so that when these visions come to pass, we say, how can I bring a balance? How can I add to the balance of what's about to take place? So when the, this pandemic came, I knew exactly what it was. And in knowing what it was, I had comfort in knowing that, okay, in the vision, what does it tell me the outcome is? And they showed me the outcome. Mm. The outcome is spiritual connection. Yeah. What is that? What is spiritual connection? People want to laugh. Oh, spirituality. They want to laugh about it. Spiritual this, spiritual that. Because spirituality has been so appropriated on social media because everybody's a healer everybody's a shaman mm. you know everybody's a cosmic uh priest you know and has all this knowledge mm. because 
maybe they read some books or maybe somebody told them something. There are healers out there. Yes, I do know that. But in our Indian ancient ways, not everybody is. Mm. And that's the humility of knowing what your position is spiritually. Like me, you know, I can't go out and say I'm about to, I can go win a, a I can go win a marathon right now. I, I can't. But my mind can tell me, oh, yeah, you can win it. You can win it. I can't. I'm not prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for that. What was I prepared to do? Find what that is spiritually. And like they say, find your lane. Find your spiritual purpose. Find where, where ancestors need you to be. I know where I'm needed to be. You know, but these days through technology, technology mimics spirituality. Technology will, will try to tell you all these false things. But yet, it's just mimicking what it wants to be. You know, and spirituality is showing you who you are and who you can be, who you're meant to be. And so the way I look at this past year, man, it was a spiritual awakening. A spiritual movement came through. Some people grabbed it. Some people didn't. It came with a real sickness. There was a real sickness that came with it. But, you know, I look at it that we have to come back to the earth. We have to come back to the medicines and, and understand how to activate those medicines. You know, I don't want to diss anybody's beliefs or, 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 you know, be dismissive of anybody's beliefs or anything like that. All I know is what was shown to me and what has worked for our spiritual circle. And they say spiritual change will start from those small spiritual clusters that are happening all over the country. These small fires that are coming back. And it's going to take spiritual solidarity, understanding, and me saying my ways are no better than zero's ways. Absolutely. Zero has ways. I go to zero. I'm like, yo, bro, tell me your ways, man. What's your stories, man? What's your mm. culture? What's, what do you, you know, you know, drop some knowledge. And when I hear that, I'm like, oh, bro, that's mm. dope. Mm. I'm not trying to tell him that my way is the only way. Mm. There's many mm. ancestors come in many forms, yeah. star people, many forms. Yeah. How can we connect to those? You know, by going through the many journeys that we have to go through in order to find out who we are on this in this life, yo. Mm. Really well said. Really well said. What do you think, Orlando? I mean, wow, that's... This brother, that was deep. His brother's deep, man. Like, I remember just sitting, talking to him. And I'm not surprised that... I'm <laughs> I was one, like, whoa. I'm not surprised that I completely agree with him. On yeah. his outlook on, on this whole thing. I mean, the humility that because I know zero, you see right through this garbage. Oh, <laughs> ten miles away, man. This is not. <laughs> this is nothing new. This is nothing new. I know people feel like, oh wow, this is the first time they locked us down. Well, that's the first time white people got locked down. But we've been exactly. locked down since they first, panicked, me, bro. Yeah, exactly. We we've been locked down since the time they got here. They locked us down like fucking. Yeah. And then they created juvenile hall and they created reservations. They create all these things. We've always been locked down. Nothing different. Yeah. The one you know what it is? What I tell people is I'm like, yo, it's finally come back around and yeah. touched them. Yeah. And when this little bit of oppression has touched them, they're losing their mind. Yeah. They panic. Yeah. So what do they want you to do? They want you to panic too. Yeah. They want you to go crazy. Absolutely. Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see what's going on? Mm. And we're sitting back here like, yo, we done been felt this. Yeah. For hundreds of years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we can maneuver through this with an understanding of what it is. We've been knowing what this is. Unfortunately, not a lot of people understand that. Even mm. our own people. Mm. You know? 
there are our own people that don't understand that it's, because it's, they fed into it, that they here. fed into that lie or they fed into the colonization assimilation but number one yes we have felt this many times over so how do what do we do about it now that it's here again yeah it's like i said yo what what can we do to bring a balance to this time you know are we gonna implode are we going to destroy each other? Because that's what the enemy wants. Mm. The enemy wants us to destroy each other mm -hmm. because we're facing a system that are the masters of deception, masters of, of lateral oppression, mm. uh, masters of, of greed and destruction of natural resources. They take the natural resources because they got no source, connection source to earth. Mm. And that's what we have. Mm -hmm. We got a direct connection to all of this spiritually. Right. We can connect through these phones because of the rare metals that are in that. When we speak through that spirit, we vibrate this gold, this lithium, this copper. That's what they do. They they extract natural resources from the earth and from us, from our thoughts and our minds. That's why they say, come back. We will show you the way. Because in the vision, it said the end, the, the, end, no, no, the beginning was the end. And if you can go back to the beginning of when it happened, you understand that what we're battling is nothing but a baby, mm. nothing but something tiny mm. that has to be fed. It has to be wiped. It can't take care of itself. Mm. But yet by the energy that is fed into it all around it with the chaos and destruction allows it to mimic what it always wanted to be spirituality. A direct connection to Terawaha, Ibo Funga, Hizagiri Mezi, to Kanshala, uh, Omateo, is mm. that right? Yeah. Omateo. Absolutely. Omateo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the supreme being. Yeah. The supreme being and all the star people and ancestors and animal powers, plant powers, are our relatives that are in, in other uh, realms are connected to us. Mm. So how do we translate that? Number one, you're an artist. I'm an artist. Let's use our words put spirit through our words and make that dope music that will 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 uh uh, uh go through the, the 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 cracks within these algorithms and, and reach people you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely i mean i have a different focus as an artist now because i got into my ancestral foods you know and my ancestral foods have really kind of paved the way to my new version of life which is you know high mineral diet and less consumption actually all plant-based and then that allows me to fast when i get to levels of fasting then i defeat my own self when i defeat my own self then i lay my intention onto my heart and that's what makes and guides my decision not that i live entirely through my heart because you have to be aware of things and you have to be very very vigilant you have to have ultra sensitive um reception you know but still the the heart guides and is the principal guide right the heart the mystery that heartbeat where does it come from how does it start where does it end you know who knows where that great unexplainable thing right and at least that's the view that i've learned being indigenous right there is no ownership of anything it's just an experience and if it's just an experience then you don't need to hate anyone. You don't need to be jealous of anyone because you're experiencing this life together. You know, whether it become a negative form of life, that's teaching you and learning. And maybe you are, you know, 
laying heavy on one side of the two positive and negative things that live inside of you, right? Your heart, mm -hmm. your mind. So in the practice of our ancestry, when I moved into ancestral foods, then I learned fasting. And when I learned fasting, I learned a deeper prayer, right? A deeper prayer. You'll never experience the beauty of fasting until you're making food for your children that you can't eat on day three of your fast. Because no one's stopping you from stopping and having a plate of food with your family or your kids. But when you're dedicated to that spiritual cleanse, right? Then there's a discipline that's born. And that discipline is what they robbed from us, right? Because they made everything convenient. And the more convenient it became, the more we got sucked into it. So now things aren't convenient anymore. So the more inconvenient you make your life, it's not easy. Now, not only do I fast for five days, but I intermittent fast every day. So that means I only eat once a day. And, to live. and, and yeah, exactly, because it's high mineral and I pretty much eat 80% water and 20% mass. That's what my diet consists of. My whole point of saying all this is that the musical journey is different. At least for me. I try to be very direct in my lifestyle. And this is the art it produces. My lifestyle produces this art. Right. And this podcast. And I bring all my friends along. Because they have very important things to say to you guys. They have profound wisdom. When I saw Keith on the list of being interviewed, I was so excited because I knew he was going to come with what he came with. Truth. His deep spiritual, what you heard from Keith right now was his personal spiritual journey. As honest as, see, and he traveled all the way up to the stars and back. He told you that. Man, it's such a great interview um, Keith, I'm happy that you're here today, dude, because, you know, oh. you, re you reminded me a lot of that, you know, early, mid-2000s, you know, when we were in the heart of 2012 and the spirituality and the shift of the earth and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. It, we were right there. That, that whole Karis One show, that was us getting steam into pushing forward into this great shift of 2012, you know, and everybody goes, well, nothing happened. Yeah, well, what about today? What about right now, huh? We, we move in increments of mathematical formulations, you know? These formulations have, you know, beginning, middle, end. So now we're in the thick of it. And mm -hmm. Armando said it right. What better thing to do to the planet but cause a mass amount of fear to distract from the beauty of the awakening, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Right? What do you think, Keith? What do you think about that? Right? This great yeah, shift of, of, you know, you, I'm sure your people had a, a, a prophecy of this shift, right? Mm -hmm. The Inuits had it. Everyone had it. This great shift was going to happen in our lifetime, and it happened. Mm -hmm. But now fear is taking over the frequency of consciousness that yeah. they're, they're trying to block. And that's how arrogant it is right now. 
Yeah. I'm going to explain to you how arrogant it is really quickly, and I'll let you answer, Keith, and give your opinion. But when the media or any financial or anybody says that 1% of the population, 1% of the population owns more wealth than all the poor people, that is probably the dumbest thing you could do if you're trying to build long-lasting structures in civilization is to be greedy, is to be uneducated and to be lazy. And that's what I think this attempt is to hide a very broad and massive awakening that's happening. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, I mean, when when it's when it's a spiritual message or a spiritual movement is is brought to to earth, um, it, it it comes in its purest form. And they say that it's it's placed in the nest of spirituality. The nest of spirituality could symbolize your altar mm. on your desk before mm. you. Okay. Everything comes to this earth and it has to come through that nest. Now, what is that nest? How is that nest gonna gonna bring life and incubate into the incubate life into that into that that egg? And and how is that egg gonna grow? Nowadays. There's so much information out there that's in the, the cloud. Um, there's so much energy data that is flying in the air from this, these, from these, from these, uh, um, the uh, antennas to, mm-hmm. to, to, uh, uh, satellites, mm-hmm. all this data is in the air and, and upon that data is energy, mm. what you post, what you say. So this this egg is feeding off everything in the air. And that's why they say it's so important. What are you putting out through this technology? What mm. kind of energy are you putting out through this technology? Mm. Is it spiritual energy or is it the energy that is feeding the sickness? And it could be as simple as that. Mm. Which one are you? Mm. Do you want to be spiritual or not? Mm. Because this world is, is not for everybody, you know, but, that's why I always encourage people that the vision and the story and that prophecy, they, they go deeper, but without going deeper, um, basically what it comes down to is what kind of energy do you want to put out there? Like, are, are you uplifting the people? Are you, you trying to inspire are you helping people and seeing people find themselves? You know, that's, that's a beautiful thing, man. When you can, when you can see people find themselves and, and find what it is they're looking for, helping them, uh, get on that, on that pathway. Um, and I would say this, the, the moment we're in, man, is is it's a spiritual battle between your mind and your spirit. Some say, from what I heard for years, is technology and spirituality. Technology has come so become so powerful that it mimics spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, though technology, like I said, only can operate by the use of rare metals. So how can we utilize those sacred metals in this phone to, to vibrate that positive and spiritual energy? Mm-hmm. Because the negative is coming through. We already been seeing that. Mm-hmm. how can we utilize it for that spiritual uplifting of the people man you know mm-hmm. and, and and to and, me to me that's it, that's like um yeah. i'm being very articulate about how you present things you know i'm mm-hmm. um, i understand that there's a lot of racism in america that never ended i never got convinced that it ever ended as a matter of fact it got worse because it was behind closed doors yeah. the, the racism 
right? So now you see George Floyd and the death of whatever and the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. That that it's the same thing. It's not. It, it's just in a new time. So we have to be very focused about what we communicate to each other, and I think that's what Keith very articulately explained is that the phone in your hand could be a good message to your mom. Hey, mom, I was thinking of you. And that flies through the air. And somebody walking feels that. Hey, I want to call my mom. I want to, hey, 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 you know what? I want to wish world peace on everyone. I just have a really good feeling. And I want to share this message with whatever. I, I don't care if I have 10 followers on IG. I'm going to just share my heart right now. And I think that's what Keith is talking about. And then... It gets personified in artists and they feel that vibe and they go, look, world peace is inevitable. We need to write songs that say world peace. And I totally seen your analogy about what you just metaphorically explained to us. <laughs> it's, it was a pleasure to talk to you, brother. I mean, you are an amazing person and please continue to make music, which I know you will. I know that <laughs> artists will never die in you. But I mean, shout out, give us your, give us your, um, your handles so that they could follow your music and follow you as a person. And please, everyone in Alley Natives needs to go follow Keith because as you can see, he says some very profound things. He has a very eclectic sound of music. He's a hard worker and it was a pleasure to interview him. And you know what, for all of our Spotify listeners, they got something coming guys because this is going to touch their lives, this interview right here. He's amazing. Keith is an amazing person. I'm happy <laughs> that he was here for us. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story, brother. You're yeah. a very powerful word. Oh, wait. Before we leave, can you sing us a song? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Anything. Anything. Yeah. I want to I showcase. He's an amazing MC, but his native song singing? He's an amazing. Take it away, Keys. All right. I just want to, you know, thank you, bro. Um, you know, giving me the opportunity to speak on here. I mean, we could talk for hours. Already, mm. you know, there's so many things that could be shared, uh, so many memories that could be triggered from one word to the next to share good knowledge and information. Man, you know, anybody out there listening, that information, that spiritual knowledge is coming through. Mm. There has been spiritual knowledge that has been left here that people are discovering. And in that knowledge, there are codes. And I was told that how you decipher some of those codes is through visions, through dreams. And in order to connect to those visions and dreams, you have to connect, reconnect to yourself spiritually, reconnect to these birds, these trees, this wind, mm -hmm. all these creations, the sacred water, sacred mother earth. And in that, you find that healing. When you find that, that is one of the keys that can push you forward upon that path that a lot of people are seeking. It's not a path that you own. We don't own this. We don't control this. We don't dictate where this goes. What we're told is these spiritual gifts just move through us for oh. the people. And then when they reach the people, the people are touched, their lives spiritually are moved. And when that happens, that energy moves from their, from their feet to their head back and then up to the star people, the creator, Awahaksu, mm. and then back down again, you know, making a circle. And that's that life we talk about, circle, mm. you know, not linear, but circle, man. We're just, we're just moving like that constant. And so in saying that, you know, my encouragement is that, you know, for, you know, our people, you know, our, our indigenous people all over the world, you know, to come back to that indigenous way of life isn't saying 
who was the first this or who was the first that. We're so far, we, we are so far as a human race from the first baby girl and the first baby boy. We're so far from that ancient and sacred knowledge that yes, some of it was left behind, but we're so far from that. To think that we can understand that is like saying we can understand creator. Mm. We're relearning here on this earth. For everything that we were able to hold on to through our ancestors is powerful and beautiful. It's information that's supposed to bring a balance to the world. If it's not bringing a balance to the world and it's bringing hate and chaos and division, then you have to really look at what it is that you're studying and how you're interpreting it. Mm. Are you interpreting it through the mind? Are you interpreting it through the spirit? Because the truth is there and the truth will find you. But spirituality is who we are and that's how we connect. So I just want to say that much. Oh. And I'll sing this song. I want to say thanks, Zero, Armando, and, and, and props to LA Natives. Oh. You know, the LA Natives podcast, you know, the UG blog, underground, underground hip hop uh, blog, and um, just all my indigenous people from the north to the south and the east and the west, you know. Oh. So again, my name is Keith IMC. I'm a Pawnee and Seminole, mm. Mexican. And yo, I love to utilize our indigenous ways of life. And and um, as a as a as a spiritual man, um, sometimes we have to lose everything three times over in order for us to realize what it truly means to have something. Oh. So that you'll never want to lose it again. You'll embrace it and you'll cherish it. Sometimes we have to lose those things, those special things three times over. And sometimes we have to fall flat on our face many times over until we realize who it is we're meant to be. And whenever we find that, that's a beautiful thing. That's called time. That's called healing. But in healing, remember, not everybody is going to rejoice in your healing. Not everybody is for your revitalization of your spirit, of who you're meant to be. But remember, your beautiful people out there, wherever you are. And I share this song so that it may encourage you on your spiritual journey. And again, thank you, Zero, Armando. Blessings to y'all and your podcast. May it reach many people. Uh-huh. And in saying that, let's let's keep moving forward, man. A spiritual movement is real. Aho, uh-huh. dude.
Peace, IMC, everyone. Community, go follow him. Make sure everyone follows him on Instagram. Check him, check him out on YouTube. Legendary MC, indigenous hip-hop artist. Thank you, Keys. Oh, Ometeo. Wow. Wow. Another wow interview right there. Keys is deep, man. Keys is, man, every time he sings, like, I, I get so emotional because that brother sings so beautiful. And he's an amazing hip-hop artist as well. Um, wow, that was a really, really good interview. A lot of thoughts, right? Uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like end the show in a way that's like, there was so much medicine in this show. Whoever's listening and is going to catch, whoever listened to this live, go re-listen to it because there's a lot of medicine in this podcast. To this Sunday, all of our podcasts have displayed lots of medicine, but you'll know what I'm talking about when you close your eyes and you're hearing. He sing his medicine, his his region. He represents, just like I represent our Mesoamerican past. He represents his Pawnee, even some Mexica or some Mexican um, roots. But Keith is an amazing person, and I'm glad that the shows are building up in this way because at this time. There's a lot of information being floated out to us. And if LA Natives can be a, a positive, firm, common sense information outlet for all of you out there, then let it be that. Know that your ancestors were great, profound individuals. These individuals laid down prayers for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. They documented and put energy into these ceremonies thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It was never simple. It was never just left for them. You'll start to realize when you start to become a part of ceremony how difficult it is to build ceremony, but our ancestors stayed with it because they believed that we are all a part of this energy. It's an inclusive world. A world that belongs to everyone and no one at the same time. This world engulfs you, not the other way around. So if you follow elitism thinking, capitalism, communism, one percent ism you're in a very very difficult path because the truth is coming out the fact that we're pushing down christopher columbus statues and the fact that we're calling out white supremacy the fact that we're bringing out the truth behind the deception of spirituality that's inevitable that's not just my message. That's the star's message. That's the earth's message. Be firm in who you are and where you come from. No matter how much you know. We'll see you next Wednesday, LA Natives.
next Wednesday, LA Natives. Tonansi, Tonatu, with all my love and all my heart. Ometeo.